Hello and welcome to Auric Digital's How to Make a Video Game Podcast. Here, you'll be entertained, informed and enlightened by the many goings-on within the studio as we introduce you to our projects, our colleagues and give you a little insight into how we operate. Thanks for listening in. We hope you enjoy today's episode. How to Make a Video Game Season 8 of the podcast. We're sticking around. No one's shut down the thing just yet, so we're sticking around until that day comes. Jess, how are you? Hi, Matt. I'm doing really, really well, and I am particularly pumped for the episode that we've got coming up today. Uh, I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been ruminating on it a lot. It encompasses a lot of the kind of work that I do outside of the podcast, because I, I don't just exist in a little podcast bubble writing episodes all year round. I wish that was all I could do. That would be so much fun to just be creative the whole year. But unfortunately, I have other parts of my job to do. And one of those is about the porting and publishing work that we do today. So we've got Hannah, we've got Toby, Freddie, Aaron and Thomas all coming along to guests on the podcast today. Uh, they're going to be talking to us about the porting work that they've experienced whilst working at Oracle Digital. And Thomas is going to talk a little bit about as well, just explaining what we do, because we don't just do porting as work for hire, we do porting as an involved collaborative project with original developers. We will work with them, we put up, we upfront the costs for the porting project, and we port a game over to console, and then we publish the game on console, and we split the revenue between us as, a, as an ongoing partnership. So it's, it's a little bit different to what others may have expected or approached in the past. And I think it's working really well for us. But you know, enough about me and talking about what I get involved in in my day-to-day job it's about our experiences and what our colleagues get up to so uh, let's let's crack on with it so porting what is it what what is porting uh, essentially it's making a game available on an additional platform to the one that it was launched on it is the art of supporting a developer in morphing their code base of a game from one that's suited to maybe PC or Mac or mobile and then taking it over to another platform like Xbox or PlayStation or Nintendo Switch. Uh, this is uh, something that is it's quite complex, especially if uh, porting is not initially part of the plan in a code base and it takes a lot of time and commitment in the development process to do. But it's also extremely worthwhile. Um, this is uh, something that we work at Oracle together. Uh, we work with indie developers to support them in bringing their game from PC to a console. And we also then help them publish it on console too. Thomas, I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about the console porting work that we've done and the titles that, we, that we've worked with so far. Yeah, yeah. I, I think as a studio, because we've done a lot of porting in the past uh, across lots of different platforms, some of which, you know, very much in the public domain, some of which less so. Um, because we've been working with partners and, you know, we're not the focus necessarily of that project. Um, we, we've spent, you know, we've, we've built up quite a lot of expertise and a lot of thinking and a lot of approaches and, and uh, tricks and techniques for, for it. And so we actually really started the kind of porting publishing, which is where we take a game that somebody else has done on Steam and publish it uh, onto another platform working alongside them. First one we did of that was Mega Aquarium. So that's not where it's just work for higher porting. And that, you know, we I, I knew the developer, Tim, of Mega Aquarium, that, that uh, it's an amazing game. He's done a fantastic job. And, you know, in a conversation, you know, it just came out like it would be great to have it on console and realize we could really help. And Tim thought about it for a bit and, you know, was really, really glad and really proud that he kind of chose us to kind of work with him on that. So we put out Mega Aquarium and 
um yeah and it's done it's done really well and we're really pleased with it and it's it's a great game and it's great to see it coming to all these new players and new platforms and that really started the ball rolling for us um of that um and so the way that side of it works which which is different like i say from us just just doing work for hire doing reporting which we absolutely do do and always have to chat people about that this one's slightly different where we take on the risk here so we'll work with a developer we'll say okay we'll we'll take your code base we'll bring it to these other platforms we'll publish it we'll do the publicity the marketing everything like that uh, we'll recoup our costs from that and then we'll share the profits with you so for the developer involved it's very low risk they're trusting us with their their game and, and i get that that there's a risk there you know we, we've got to be sensitive to that but ultimately they're not having to put any money in and importantly as well especially if you've got a developer busy on steam or another platform on their game they're able to kind of free their time up to focus on what they're doing and let us get on with the sometimes fiddly adventures of, of getting the game onto a porting thing and and if you're a, an indie developer and you've got a game on steam and you're thinking i could really do with some help getting onto other platforms but you want to work with somebody who kind of understands what it's like being an indie, you know, what, what can you want from that? Then, you know, absolutely be happy to have a conversation with you, which sounds like a massive sales pitch, which it sort of is, and I can't really get around that. But but anyway, I'm very proud of the work we do. So, yeah, it's a sales pitch, but it's also me being honest because I think the ports we've done are fantastic. So uh, hopefully that that's a summary of it. That was a great summary. Thank you, Thomas. Um, you made it much more succinct than I could have ever put it. Uh, what we really, though, want to dig into the episode today is uh, we've got some guests with us in the studio. We've got a lovely, lovely bunch of colleagues joining us today uh, who are all very much experts within the porting realm. They've all been collaborative and worked together with us on the porting projects that we've done so far and are currently doing. We've got some very exciting ones coming up. Um, that hopefully we can talk a little bit about, but not naming names. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to start off with uh, Hannah. Would you like to introduce yourself? Could you just let the audience at home know your name, your role at Oroch, and your favorite games platform to play video games on? If you could. Hello, hello. I, my name is Hannah Corcoran. I'm a producer over here at Oroch Digital. I've done some work on porting across Ogre from uh, computer to PlayStation, Nintendo, and Xbox. Um, probably my favourite game to play on, well, favourite platform to play game on. At the moment, I have to sound like such a fake gamer and say my iPad, because I've been loving playing Stardew Valley on there. It has been taking over far too much of my life at the moment. Besides from that, computer all the way. As, as stepping in now to that idea that somehow some platform is lesser or worse to play a game on, so to interject, but I, I, I think the platform you enjoy playing on is the best platform. Like I play games on iPad, I play on mobile, I play on my Switch, I play on my Xbox, I play PlayStation, play PC. Uh, I still sometimes pull out my PS Vita and give a bash on that. You know, it's like I, I think whatever you play on, if you're enjoying playing on it, it's it's a valid and amazing platform. So uh, more power to you for playing on iPad. It's great. Uh, Toby, would you like to do the same? Introduce yourself, your role at Oroch, and what's your preferred video games platform to play video games on? Hello, my name is Toby Draper. I'm, a, I'm an associate level producer at Oroch. Um, my journey here sort of started in QA and I worked on a, a, on a number of uh, console ports sort of through submission um, as a QA tester uh, and moving into, into production, I sort of um, gained some experience in, in publishing as well. Um, my favorite platform, I would say, I've, I was traditionally a PlayStation person, 
um, played a lot of PlayStation. Um, but I've recently recently got a PC, which I've been I've been really enjoying. Just sort of um, like having a high end computer to play to play games and really high definition and stuff, which I haven't done before. Um, so I'm sort of slowly converting to to PC. But um, but in the past, I would have said um, the Switch by a mile is my favorite thing. I've just always been a massive Nintendo fan. I love the I love the IP. Um, and you know, like I think for for me, like I've been so. <clears throat> engrossed in sort of um in in the sort of stories that nintendo have told over the years like yeah i um I, i've always been been partial to, to sticking with their most recent console really um but yeah i'm sort of sort of have i have a new preference of my pc as well uh, yeah I'm, I'm balancing both at the moment thank you toby oh i love i love that you're trying to find the balance there that's really lovely uh freddie would you like to take us through introduce yourself your role and what's your preferred platform Yes, so um, my name is Freddie Jones. Uh, I'm representing the programmers here. My favorite platform, it's definitely got to be PC, hands down. But if we weren't doing PC, it's a bit left field, but I would say the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> there is Ooh, I like it. nothing better than whacking that on in the living room, getting everyone to get a controller. There are some great party games on there. Everyone loves it. Everyone knows it. It's just so much fun. <laughs> and Aaron, would you like to introduce yourself, your role, and your preferred platform for playing games on? Yeah, so uh, my name's Aaron Parsons. I'm producer at Orlock as well. Um, I'm working on two, just to yeah, give a little background on projects, I'm working on two console ports at the moment, and I'm working on another project, so three in total. Um, and my favourite platform, or my preferred platform at the moment is PC, but I've played quite a few you know all the sort of really playstation ones and all the consoles so i kind of switch when needed depending on what titles i want to play but yeah pc is definitely my preferred let us let us dig into the the dirt as it were uh so um what projects have you all been involved in uh can you speak a little to them how did you find working on them i think what's interesting here is we've got a varying level of experience and backgrounds and roles coming into the porting side of things so i don't know if uh, Toby, you wanted to start, just talk a little bit about uh, the projects that you've been involved in, in terms of console porting. Absolutely, yeah. So um, in terms of the console ports that um, that Auroc have uh, put together, I, I've been involved in quite quite a lot of them. Um, I've just put together a little list. I may or may not have missed one or two, but um, these are the ones I believe we, we can talk about. So um, uh, I've worked on The Colonists, um, Mega Aquarium, Mars Horizon, Plague, Fury of Dracula, Ogre, uh, and the recently announced Brewmaster and Bolt Gun. Um, all of these were working with sort of individual um, stakeholders and different different companies, different developers that sort of made made the base code, and we sort of, we supported them on for different reasons, except for Mars Horizon, which is original, um, and the, the recently announced ones, Brewmaster and Bolt Gun. Um, and of course, like, I mean, to to a degree, I was involved in not just the sort of testing side of things, but the, the publishing side of them as well. Um, so uh, f for me, it was, it was yeah, very, very uh, valuable sort of learning experience on, on, on these projects. We've, um, we've sort of had, they've come with their own challenges, but also we've sort of overcome a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of things and learned along the way. I'd say that um had to work with many sort of, so many different partners and, and, um, and we've sort of in such a short amount of time and it's sort of, um, it's sort of really, given me a good sort of good good faith in our in our sort of development team to sort of see that over, over the last sort of year like all, all of these all of these things have received like massive updates and um and sort of like um 
I mean, in, some of them have actually come out over, over that time as well. So um, without going into too much detail about the, sort of the intricacies of the individual project and that, I would just say that, um, that it's, been, it's been like a very, very good experience for, for, for myself and, and uh, it's built a lot of faith in, in the team to see how many, how many of them we can sort of balance, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's really lovely to hear that it's really helped put a lot of faith in the development teams from you. Like, I think it's definitely made our dev strength teams very strong to be involved across lots of different projects and to have a really good understanding of the scope of the, of how far this kind of thing can go. Uh, so thank you, Toby. Uh, Freddie, so you are our token programmer in the group. Um, how has your uh, how has your experience been as uh, from the programming side of things? Because I'm really interested in this because you're taking a code base that's written for a specific platform and then you're trying to 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 decode it and translate it into something else entirely. Like, how has that experience been for you overall importing? Well, it's been really interesting and something really different than what I've ever done in programming before. Um, so I, when I joined, um, I was immediately put on the Ogre porting project. Um, and that's basically been, um, everything that I've done at Auroc so far. Um, and all in all, yeah, converting it to those different platforms. Um, it was an interesting learning experience. Um, because all of these different platforms have all these different requirements um and ways that you build for them really um yeah so you have to go to each platform you have to download the specific like tools um that you need for them integrate them into your engine um as well as that you've got to um then you've got to program all these different systems to work with all of these different tools um and yeah it's it's a real challenge <laughs> um, and you get some you get some interesting little foibles here and there per platform. Yeah, I think it's yeah, like you said, it's, it's I guess it's, it's interesting to try and break down the, the different platforms and understand what are the tools that you need to add to each one. And I think it's probably given I would say it's probably fair to say it's given you a really good understanding about the intricate needs of each of the platforms um, and understanding how to, to look after them and make sure that they're as successful and as representative of the game as they can be on each platform. So I think that's a really good experience. And just, yeah, just to jump in and add, I, I think one of the things that we benefit from doing a lot of ports is we start to build up that code base, that experience that, um, you know, and that experience that obviously you've been able to tap into, you know, of, of other people around you um, um, of what they've been doing, Freddie is, you know, if, if you if you work on a big project and say, let's say, you know, lots of games take a year, two years, three years to make, and the only time you ever encounter the, the console platforms is once every two years, once every three years, it gives you a kind of limited ability to do it. Whereas within Auroc, because we're doing a lot of this stuff, the company is encountering the, 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 the you know, the ups and downs and the challenges of, of cross-platform, uh, everything from the code base, the design to the UX UI, to the marketing of it, is we're, we're hitting that several times a year. Uh, and therefore, you know, we, we just gain a lot of experience doing that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's great to have that highlighted that those challenges and, and how we're able to transmit that information across the company um, is, is one of the big strengths of why doing it. If you're doing a lot of this stuff, you just get better at doing it, basically. I, I don't know if you felt that um, in terms of, the, you know, 
being around other people who've been working on that for anything. No, definitely. I remember one of the first few things after like onboarding at All Rock, sitting down on the Ogre project, um, George, the lead programmer for it, uh, said, okay, here's all the systems for um, our past um, porting project, and here is uh, the code base that we use for it. Um, so that was really handy to be able to look at that and go, oh, okay, so these problems have already kind of been solved in the past, um, which saves a lot of time, and we can reuse that, and we reuse a lot of that code, which is really, really handy. And it's the kind of experience that you only get by doing all of these porting projects. A, a, a quote from my partner that comes into play particularly here is, you get good at it when you're good at it. Yes, yeah. The the classic gamer get good kind of plays in here a little bit. Um, Toby, yeah, go on. I think um, just going back to what, what Freddie was saying as well, like um, that like the, the, the fact that we sort of have have the, the the experience from the first couple of ports that we did when when you joined uh, i'm hoping that's sort of that that's where where that uh, that the, the document you're referring to sort of came from and stuff because i think that sort of speaks to, to, to how we were able to manage balancing so many ports at once if that makes sense so we, you 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 learn from experience right and and like um like i hope i hope to, to well no, i'm really glad to hear actually that that those that those documents came in handy because they were probably probably put together in in things i was working on um and it's yeah i think i think i just 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 to add, add to it I think yeah, the, the the fact that we've done that sort of put us in a really good position to um to to be able to balance our work and and, and produce multiple multiple projects at once. Um, and it just goes goes back to like um to the whole point that I made at the start of sort of um seeing seeing new people come into the company and adapt and be able to 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 create a successful port has sort of um it's really given me faith in in the team, you know. Um, and and yeah, it's it's just just yeah, I'm really sort of glad to hear that um that that you felt that way when you when you joined in joined in the um joined the company and the project. Oh, this is really nice to hear. I'm really like, yeah, it just makes me feel all fuzzy inside because, yeah, we're a great little team. Um, yeah. So I th I think the thing about porting is it definitely differs a little bit from what we would characterize as quote unquote normal game development. It's it's definitely a different take as what we've kind of gathered from this so far. Um, so I guess my question is uh, from the perspective of, I, I guess, Hannah and Aaron, maybe Aaron, if you want to chime in with this one, how would you how do you feel like porting? differs from normal game development from a production point of view because you're on a few different projects aren't you yeah um so i think yeah so some of the things in it is like obviously the game already exists so it's interesting taking sort of um the ui perspective in how that sort of needs to be reworked um and working with the designers to either improve it sometimes in certain ports you might need to like completely change that aspect of it say for instance in one particular port that we're doing at the moment the ui on the pc version might take up a huge part of the screen on a switch for instance so sort of adapting that and maybe minimizing the the ui in a way that still works as intended on the original allows the player to actually see everything on the screen and have a good gameplay experience mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Hannah, do you, because you've also had quite a similar experience, uh, Aaron, in the production realm. Do you have anything to add? For sure, for sure. Uh, Ogre in particular was a game that was very UI heavy. There was a lot of like information on the screen at all times. So finding a nice way to translate that across onto other platforms in a way that doesn't become just too cluttered 
for the game that you're playing. Like after all, you're not playing a text-based game, you're playing a visual game. So uh, trying to figure out how to adapt and overcome that kind of barrier is also really interesting. Another thing that like might not immediately pop into your mind when you think porting is a mouse. So when you're playing a video game, you have this handy little cursor on a computer, I should clarify. You have this handy little cursor that you can just swish around the screen and click things. But obviously on a console version where you're relying on a controller, you don't have that. So you have to sort of think of options outside of that to still enable the player to navigate the game in a similar way without like without there being a mouse. So for Ogre, what we had was a selector tool where it was a highlight that would appear along in different places. So that was the way that like a player can sort of navigate where they are on screen. But it's definitely a challenge to try and think about like how different consoles navigate. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Toby, do you have, because you've also had quite a similar experience here in terms of production, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I, um, yeah. I, I just, um, I think a, a good way to summarise what what, what um, Hannah and Aaron are saying is, is sort of that console porting is essentially about adapting an existing product compared to creating something from new. And and and, and you know, um, often often sort of the, the the sort of challenges that come from that might be from from working with an unfamiliar code base or something um, that, that you didn't design yourself and your team didn't do. Um, and I say, you know, I've, I've been involved in. Uh, producing original uh, original titles which which weren't existing in the past at all and porting things that, that already had a whole code base and, and art and stuff and UI that needed adapting. I think, yeah, to, to, to summarize the answer of how is it different, I think mainly porting porting is sort of reactive as opposed to creative. We, we have to we have to take and take what what already exists and respond and, and adapt it to make it work and appropriate. Um, but but obviously traditional game development, you just you start from scratch. And you can you have a, a slightly more freedom in terms of what you do and sort of the design choices and code choices that you make. Um, so I think yeah, like just 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 to add to what they're saying and sort of summarize it into one thing, and I'd say that's probably how how it differs in its main point from from our perspective. I like that reactive, not creative. That's, um, yeah, I mean it's still a creative process at the end of the day, but it's very much speaks much more to. The reactivity side of things of it you have to be creative in how you react it's, it's adaptive maybe as a better word perhaps you know like in a way i suppose you could say an advantage of porting over a traditional sort of a like ip game is that it limits scope creep quite a lot there's like you're less likely to go over the top with adding new features and new functions and stuff as it's already a game that's pre-existing but then on top of that, it is also an exciting opportunity to try and like enhance the existing game a little bit, like put your own flair, your own spin on it. Like if there's a certain thing that you've experienced in one version of the game that irritates you slightly, you can then take it and change it and adapt it to make it not only workable on console, but a better experience on console sometimes. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's also been some things where we've done in our porting work where actually we've worked with the original IP devs to add in content that's not available on PC because it suits the the model of the console version of the game much better. Uh, Thomas, do you have do you have any thoughts around this? Yeah, I, th I think our ethos when we do a port is that the experience for the player needs to be conversant with the experience on the original platform. So if it's a PC to console port, that the experience of playing it on console needs to feel as good um, as it does on the original. Now, we don't say the same, and we don't say copy it, because going back to, I, I think, a great word that Toby used, which is adaptive. 
it needs to adapt to that because they are different. The inputs are different. The screen size are different. You use it in a different way. You might use it, you know, simple, obvious thing. You know, you're sitting in front of a TV five, six feet away looking at it, whereas with a PC, it's right in front of your face. Uh, you know, they, so you, you have to adapt it. You can't just do the same thing. But if the player playing it feels like I've enjoyed this game and I've, I've not felt I'm playing a port, I've just felt I'm enjoying the game, to us then that's a success, you know, that we've, we've done our job then. Um, because it's not felt like, oh, I played a port. You felt, I just played the game. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really nice way to summarize it. Um, I think there's an interesting kind of itch that I wanted to scratch in this this conversation is I wanted to talk about the way that some games just feel like they belong to a particular platform more than another platform. And by that, I don't mean that, you know, there's any kind of ownership or that they're better or worse uh, because there are different needs for different people. But for example, there is like this this innate desire to like want to curl up on a sofa with a switch because it's a handhold so you can take it around with you. Hannah, with your iPad, you like to be able to play Stardew Valley on your iPad because it's the most useful way of you accessing this game and playing this game in the way that you want to play it. And I think that's what's interesting is that every player has a different user experience of a game that they would like to see and that they feel that feels good for them that's why they might play a game on playstation rather than on xbox um or on pc rather than on switch um but i guess i just wanted to scratch this itch of like i don't know i feel like there's just this kind of innate way of knowing if you feel like a game is more of a playstation game or is more of a pc game i don't know if anyone had any kind of similar feelings to that at all like um it's very arbitrary, I know, but yeah, I mean, you do get some games that don't translate particularly well. That don't, um, you know, that 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 are, are so specific to that platform that they they kind of don't work. Um, it's been a couple of games we've been asked to look at porting, and we've looked at it, and you know, after a, a bunch of examination, it's like the changes you would need to make to make this work would kill the thing about the game that's interesting. And basically, we've you know we've we've agreed with with the partner who's approached us that actually, yeah, let, let's not do that. Um, and, and I think, again, goes back to our ethos. If, we, if we're not going to do a good job of it, we're not going to do something we're proud of, then we'd rather kind of not do it because the, the porting publishing for us is a kind of a thing we do on top of all the other things we do. And so it's very much a point of we, we go for games we really love, go for games we're really interested in. So that, that's kind of a big part of it for us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Thomas. That was that was really good to hear. And I think it was a good way to summarize it is that, yeah, sometimes it is about the translation of the language and things do get lost in translation sometimes. And we don't want anything to get lost in that translation. That's important to us. So I think uh, kind of just to wrap things up and to, to think about maybe just broadly, are there any games that are only available on a few platforms so far that actually any of you would like to see on more platforms? You'd like to see them more available. You'd like to see more ports of those games out there. Um, if there's anything that you've got your eye on that you think, gosh, I'd love to play this on Switch or I'd love to see this on mobile. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, whenever I think there's for me, plat, I'm I'm much better at platformers on on console than I am a PC. So if I'm playing a game on Steam and it's on platform with mouse and keyboard, I tend not to use a controller on PC for some reason. I've got one. I just tend not to think to plug it in really. Um, uh, or if it's not got controller support, then I immediately start thinking this would be a lot more fun on on controller. So yeah, I was uh, they're the sort of games that grab me, and I think yeah, I'd love to see this. Um, yeah, I'd be keen to see this. So yeah, good one. I think think we chatted about Jess's Vampire Survivor 
uh, which is an amazing game on Steam. And, and again, I think this will be great on console. So looking forward to that, which I believe they are doing a console port. So looking forward to seeing that on console. Yeah, I think that's going to be fun. I think Vampire Survivors on the Switch on the bus, absolutely spectacular use of half hour. Um, you know, it's it's set in half hour sets of that game. So I think that would work really, really well on Switch. So I look forward to it. Um, uh, a game that I have an unfortunate addiction to that uh, does exist uh, not across platforms, but it exists on like computer and Steam and also on like mobile devices is Old School RuneScape. And I think that one's a very interesting one in particular because there's a big, about 70% of the player base actually uses a different like client in order to play the game. And there's a lot of uh, sort of modding and things that go into just making the game easier to navigate, which is obviously something that you can't pull across onto mobile. So I think what's really interesting with Jagex at the moment is that they are investigating ways of making these plugins work not just on their own clients but on their own clients and on mobile clients which i think is like really interesting so it's things like tile markers so you know where you're walking like in better inventory management there's a bunch of stuff that they're doing and i think it's really fascinating sort of seeing that unfold and also seeing how they rely so heavily and like communicate so thoroughly with the player base in order to find out what people want in the game and what their players would like the game to be improved with yeah i i love your enthusiasm for old school runescape and honestly it brings me a lot of joy on a daily basis i just love hearing you talk about it it's so lovely um freddie if you what have you got what are you thinking about what would you like to see uh well i am a board game fiend i love all board games so anytime i can see a board game that i love um on any platform really um pc mobile any of the consoles. I just love to give it a go. Um, so I think that's an interesting aspect of porting is from an actual physical game to uh, any platform, because you don't even start out with a code base. You just get a set of rules. I love that. There's definitely a, there's a plethora of them out there, and I think there is an upsurgence in, in board game to to digital ports like we've done ourselves with Ogre. So I think hopefully there'll be lots, lots more in the future for you, Freddie. Uh, Toby, what would you what would you like to see? Um, so sim- similarly to Freddie, talk, just talking about different sort of styles of, of I guess, uh, porting work. Um, like I, I I have a bit of a bit of a passion for sort of like retro games, right? So um, I, I love like old school PS4 games and stuff. I love to see a remaster of those get republished onto the PS4 store and things like that. Um, so whilst that's not that's things like that might not necessarily be a porting job in general, it's kind of publishing and uh, republishing uh, an exist an existing thing, and um, and like so, uh, potentially it's more of a thing that that may not happen. But like I remember a specific PS One game called Hogs of War. Um, I used to be absolutely obsessed with it with my friends in, in school, and like I, I'd love to see Hogs of War come to the um, come to the Switch. But I, I believe it's a Sony exclusive IP. I don't I don't think it will ever come to the Switch. But that would be my my dream port, right? Would be to see a remastered Hogs of War on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I I just wanted to like throw in things about uh, how when porting across to lots of different consoles, it can make a game much more accessible because it means that people can like access the same title on a variety of different platforms maybe there's some that they're more comfortable with like i know that there are some like a i can't think of what and what they're called off the top of my head but you can get different devices to plug in for people with like motor difficulties and stuff which might only be like 
compatible with certain like platforms or certain consoles. So if someone's like invested hundreds of pounds in a specialty gaming device to allow them to play on a certain platform, the more games that are available on more platforms, the more likely it is that they're able to play that game. Yeah, I think that's a really, really solid point, Hannah. Like it's accessibility is at a core part of our pillars as a business, as as Horror Digital. We want to make sure that the games that we design and we create are accessible for the players at home and if we're able to be part of that, to to port games to more console platforms that are more accessible, then we should absolutely be involved in that that conversation in that process. I'm gonna end the session there. I think. I think so much. Thank you so much for all of your time. You've all been great. It's been really lovely to hear about your experiences, your thoughts, what you'd like to see come to to different console platforms. And again, like it's just been really nice to talk about the games that we love and to to see and understand how a console porting process might work and how it differs to normal gameplay production. Um, So thank you everyone for your time. I really, really appreciated it. Oh man, I'm sure I've said before um, about record-breaking amounts of uh, colleagues friends of auroc being on on the pod um but this that was that was good there's a lot of voices there um a lot of different opinions a lot of different perspectives of porting but it's it's a relatively new relatively new strand of the business is porting so it's really really great to get that insight from everybody and from different different departments different disciplines um to see how they kind of interact in and out of a, of a particular port or ports in some cases because um we are pretty widespread now yeah, we are. We're working on two porting projects at the moment. But, you know, the, beyond that, we also, as well as our own IP that we're working on, we also have partner IP that we work with. So where it's another IP, so Bolt Gun, for example, we're working with Games Workshop on that one. Um, and then we've got our own IP like Brewmaster. And I think the porting publishing pillar where we've worked on Mega Aquarium and the colonists in the past, um, I think that's a very important thing that we want to continue to grow because not only is it enjoyable uh, projects to take part in for our, our developers they all resoundingly enjoy being part of porting pr- projects it's also just great to be involved in that community sense of the player base and like what Hannah was talking about in terms of accessibility and improving accessibility I think it's a wider conversation to be had that porting is about improving it's a very player experience focused thing to do because you're just expanding a game out to the general populace and that's probably one of the most kindest gestures that we can make in in the games industry is to just make our games as accessible as possible for as many people as possible to enjoy because that's all we want to do at the end of the day is make games that people enjoy yeah absolutely right you see no one could have uh, said any better than that i think um as well with um, Bristol's game dev scene being, well, not, not being huge, but it's a very dedicated, um, very passionate bunch of bunch of people, very very creative people. Um, and so to have this resource available to other developers that we work and know so very closely, um, working in and out of the Bristol Games Hub, um, I think it's great. I think, I think the, the Bristol game dev scene generally is like in a very, very, uh, very healthy looking place and um and with Oroch positioned as it is to offer what it does 
um, I think that's a great, great thing for many of the indie devs that we that we know and love. So I know season nine, we're going to be talking about several more porting projects. I tell you now, we'll have a whole other episode where we tell everyone all about them. I'm very excited for that. That's twice now that you've alluded to season nine. I mean, I, if if you're anything like me, I live and die by the sword. So it's like, well, season eight needs to be good. Then maybe we'll be back for another season. I've been living like that ever since season one. So and I'm amazed <laughs> it was at season eight. So I love the confidence that you bring to this thing. We're like, yeah, so. Season nine, we're going to do this. You watch this space. We'll be talking about it. You'll be DMing me about this thing I'm going to talk about in nine. So yeah, I mean, this is this is my podcast writing bubble. Remember, this is where I'm kept for nine months of the year to hibernate writing episodes. I've already got 10 and 11 sorted as well. So don't worry. Looking forward to each and every episode that comes for season 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and so on and so forth. So I'm very much looking forward to it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt. In the fast-paced realm of the games industry, the best way to keep up to date with everything happening at Oroch Digital is to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, using the handle at Oroch Digital. And we're on LinkedIn too, as Oroch-Digital-Limited. We also encourage you to sign up to our mailing list to receive regular newsletters that go into more detail about our projects and to join our community Discord, who are the first to hear our updates. You can subscribe to the mailing list and join the Discord on our website, orocdigital.com. And whilst you're on the website, be sure to check out our recruitment page under orocdigital.com forward slash jobs, where we post all employment opportunities. Links to all these socials and more are in the episode description. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one.